Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Julianne Moggins, and you're listening to What It Was Like, the show that asks people who have lived through big, dramatic events what it was like. So I was on Instagram the other day, uh, just scrolling around, you know, wasting time, and I saw some photos of, of something that looked like a space shuttle, like picture a space shuttle, like, you know, the big NASA spacecraft from the 80s that kind of looks like an airplane. Well, the photo that I saw, uh, it looked like that thing, except that it was abandoned. Like all of its windows were smashed and it was in this rusting hangar and uh, it was covered in, in bird shit. And, and yeah, it, like it was just abandoned. And, and I love abandoned stuff. So I was immediately enthralled. I was like, what is the story here? So I did some reading, and what I discovered is that in the 1980s, the Russians were actually building their own version of the space shuttle. And these were spaceships that were designed to blast into space and then turn around and land like, like airplanes. And um, of course, this is, this is what the Americans were building. This was the NASA space shuttle, as I referred to before. And the Russians, their, their version was called Buran. It was the Buran space program. And Buran is a word that actually refers to uh, a wind. It's a wind that blows through Russia and Central Asia. I looked it up. And all through the 80s, they were building these enormous airplane-looking spaceships, and, and they actually got one into orbit via remote control. Um, it, was, it was unmanned, but it was a huge deal at the time. Like, if you were living in Moscow in the 80s, you'd have, you'd have known about this. Like, it was on the nightly news, it was on stamps, it was, it was the country's uh, affirmation of their technological superiority. And, and it was a huge, exciting thing to be a part of. Um, they actually planned to send off, um, like, crewed missions in the, in the 1990s. But none of it happened because the Soviet Union had ceased to exist. 
you might know this piece of history, but on Christmas Day, 1991, Mikhail Gorbachev, the former president of the Soviet Union, he resigned and the USSR officially ceased to be a country. And the Buran space program, well, that was canceled a few years later in 1993. So what happened to all these spaceships? Well, there's actually still a few around, and and many of them are are now rusting away in in locked hangars at a Russian military installation in Kazakhstan. And that's what I'd seen. A guy that I follow had snuck into one of these hangars, and he'd taken some photos. So I wanted to get the whole story, so I contacted the guy. And the guy's name's Greg. He's originally from Poland, and he's, he's currently living in Beijing. And Greg explores abandoned buildings. That's his whole shtick. His handle is actually Greg Abandoned, and he's an urbex photographer. Again, you might know this already, but Urbex is short for Urban Exploration, and there are heaps of these people out there on TikTok and Instagram, and they sneak into abandoned buildings, um, and I follow nearly all of them. And that's what Greg does. So he agreed to tell me his story of sneaking into this spaceport to photograph some abandoned spaceships, and I'll just flag that there was one detail in the story that I I didn't really expect, And, and that's that Greg actually went in with a buddy. He wasn't alone. Um, two guys hiked in together, but Greg, he came out by himself. Hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well. So mm. I want to know about Urbex. Like, you you do Urbex as a career. What does that mean? Uh, like, how do, you know, do you get paid? Like, what, what's, what's it like being in this world? Well, first of all, I, uh, that's funny. That's really funny that you say that, that that's what you think. I actually don't get paid for this. I, I have a normal job. All right. Well, you've answered my question then. Mm. What, so, so you've got a regular normal job uh, and then mm. you explore abandoned buildings as a hobby. Um, yes. We're, we're obviously going to go and spend the entire episode talking about the abandoned buildings. But I'm curious, what, what's your normal job? <laughs> I teach math. I teach calculus. Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So you teach in an international school in Beijing and you teach calculus to your yeah. to, to your students. And then on the weekends you uh you explore abandoned buildings. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's uh <laughs> I know it sounds weird, right? Like it's it's a bit unusual. Um but look, I the people that I met that doing exploring they are from all sorts of different backgrounds. Hmm. And the thing is that connects everyone is is that is is exploring. You really it, it doesn't really matter what you do, um, as long as you are willing to take those risks and you are adventurous and you go exploring and then you do you know, sometimes you do need to have be a bit a little bit uh, crazy and Certainly, certain you have to have a different um, view of the world, and maybe you know, a bit curious, more curious yes. than than the regular people. I would say. Okay. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. I, I'm. Mm. I want to spend this episode talking to you about, well, really about the the former Soviet Union's attempt to create a a, a space shuttle program. And and yes. how you you broke into their their space their their sort of construction hangar or their like facilities, and saw what's left of these things. So so set the Sneaked scene in. for me. Yeah, you well sorry you <laughs> snuck in you snuck in. Yeah, you don't you don't break you sneak. That's true. 
Hey, I'm just going to jump in here with some added bits of context, because there's a few parts of this conversation that I, that I just want to distill for the sake of brevity. So basically, Greg and I talked about how within the Urbex community, this, this hangar in Kazakhstan, it's kind of like the Holy Grail, like it's their version of Mount Everest. And that has a lot to do with its unique history. But it's also really just about how hard it is to get there. Because getting to Kazakhstan, it's not really a direct route on, on most airlines. Um, and then when you get there, very few people speak English. And then hiking to this base is really difficult, extremely arduous, and, and highly illegal. It's not just that you just rock up at the gate and yeah. and you know you climb the gate. You have to climb. You have to um, you have to hike through the desert to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the mm. distances involved? So um, I so I did forty kilometers hike through the desert one way, forty bucks or eighty together. Oh, wow. Okay. So that seems, I mean, I've done a bit of hiking, so I'm familiar with what it feels like to, to hike 40 kilometers. And it's, mm. you know, like I'd say comfortably, that's probably a three-day hike. Um, so, so you're saying that you, when you get to the fence of this, of this facility, you've got 40 kilometers between the fence and the first shed that contains the shuttles before you're going to get to where you want to be. Yeah. So you, I, I got dropped off um, in the middle of the highway, because we're talking about the Kazakhstani steppe. So it's not, when I say desert, I don't mean like a Sahara Gobi desert, right? White sands. No, no. I mean, it's like a steps, Kazakhstani steppe. So mm, very much up and down, um, uneven terrain, a lot of debris inside, very dangerous. At one stage, when it was very dark, I fell into a ditch that and there was inside there was a metal spike and I actually was fortunate enough to just uh, fell on the side of it. If I fell right in, uh, onto it, it would like puncture my, my stomach. So that was wow. super lucky. So That's there's a like- lot of those things. We, we're talking about like wild dogs and, uh, and, and, and wolves and snakes. I know an explorer who got bitten by a snake in that desert. Someone almost got dehydrated and, and died there. So in terms of that whole journey, when you walk and walk and walk, and you have to imagine this, you also have this base on your left. I mean, depends where you, from where you hike, but you have this base um, which feels very close. And the floodlights from that base, they carry on forever. So if and you're hiking a, in... The, mm. And this is a Russian military base? Yes. So, all right. So you read about it in, in, a, in a magazine. Um, you know that it's really hard. But one day you just decide, all right, you know what? Mm. The time's now. I'm going to take it on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this hike. I'm going to go to Kazakhstan. I'm going to see these rockets. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, at that time, I feel like a lot of the times certain events happened in my life when I just become single, you know? It's like I started a podcast when I just broke up with my girlfriend. I went to Kazakhstan when I um, became single. I started exploring because I essentially divorced. So a lot of those things happened. And this was that time of, 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 of a, uh, in my life where I felt like, yeah, I, I really want to do this. There was another explorer um, that has a very popular YouTube channel that I was talking to, um, Josh, exploring with Josh. Maybe you heard about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know Josh very well. 
but um, we talked quite frequently on on Instagram, and so he was very keen to do it, and and it was very difficult to find people that would have the means to do it and would be willing to do it. So originally mm. it was me and him that was supposed to do it, but a month before um, he canceled. And damn. all of a sudden I was like, damn, I have to do this by myself. But I was so determined that I was willing to do this by myself. Okay. But and at this time you've, and, and at this time you've, uh, you've been kind of working out like, like training mm. your body, right? Yes, so I would um, f- three months before uh, going every Friday night. I f- yeah, every Friday night, because I would finish my work, go home, eat something, and then I would pack my bag and go uh, around the bay um, in the city I was living. I was living in Qingdao, and I would walk all night, all night, all night. All night until five, four a.m. in the morning. Because you know, you're, <laughs> you're lucky you're single. <laughs> I think. Um, I think th- doing this as a as a married man or something. Uh, you know, there'd be there'd be questions. <laughs> yeah, but you see, it's funny. It was funny because I would be. Uh, some of my friends would join me for like the first hour or, or two. They would walk with me and we would talk, and that would it would kill the time, and that was great. But at some stage, obviously, they would they would go home. And I would keep walking because the thing was, I was not totally, I was not an expert on hiking or long distance hiking whatsoever. So I did some research. I learned about the distribution of your of the weight, how you're supposed to um, put that bag on, on your back and um, how to drink water. I feel like I always been really bad when it comes to drinking water. I had kidney stones three times already in my life. Oh, and wow. You're but a bad drinker. in a way I in a way that helped me because I'm not a person who needs a lot of food or 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 to drink in order to survive. I can go on for a couple of days and it will be right. fine. Maybe with a little headache. But I managed to condition myself to drink very little water. So the two days I was there in Kazakhstan I drank four liters of water only. Two days, damn! This is <laughs> this is making me feel thirsty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna have a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so you're training for this trip, um, and Josh, Josh, he bails out. So you, it looks yep. like you're gonna have to do it by yourself. Now what? Yeah. Okay. So this this is where the story becomes slightly crazy because. Essentially, I think it was maybe a week before. I already had the tickets. I, um, I'm going by myself. I'm obviously scared. And I get this message on Instagram of, on some guy. We're going to call him uh, John from Oklahoma. Okay. Because he was from Oklahoma. But and his name wasn't John. Yeah, his name wasn't John. And <laughs> he... Well, it depends how you spell it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, his but, name was John. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um, I get this message from him, and um, he was just dumped at the wedding, or just like before the wedding. Oh, no. And 
and he's like, I want to, I, I heard that you are going to the space shuttles in Kazakhstan and I always wanted to go there. I'm super confused. I mean, obviously I sometimes share my stories on Instagram and all that stuff. And he eventually told me that someone that knew me on Facebook told him about this. And that's how he approached me. And ultimately I... I don't know this guy, obviously. I don't know this guy. The only thing I know is obviously what he tells me. I look at his profile. He had some pictures of abandoned places. So I felt like, okay, he's 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 one of the Urbex guys. And I, um, yeah, we, we talked and he decided to do it. He wow. decided to, to go and roll a dice and... Uh, and do it. I was very surprised, um, but you you have to understand. Like I also needed that. I I it, needed someone to talk. But it to. also but it also feels to me like you guys would have been quite emotionally aligned at that time. I, I mean, I think I think that when you go through a breakup, you, you mm. always you always change a little bit. You know, a lot of people they'll go they'll start going to the gym. Other people get like a crazy haircut. Yeah. Like you guys were in a place where where you sort mm. of changing things up in your life and you, and you both arrived at a fairly crazy proposition. Hey, let's go to Kazakhstan together. Yeah, no, I, I feel like you, you're absolutely right. I, I was, um, at that time it was a, it was, it was a tough one for me, um, that breakup. So I, yeah, I, I feel like maybe you're onto something. Yeah. And then we, um, we, we went to Kazakhstan and, you know, I started learning more and more things about John. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds ominous. Hey, me again. I'm just jumping in to explain something else. So when they arrived in Kazakhstan, John announced that the airline had somehow lost his checked-in luggage. And then to make matters worse, John took himself out that night to some kind of red light district and managed to have his money stolen. And Greg says that he tried to persuade John to take himself to a shop and buy some new camping gear. But John insisted that he didn't want to use his credit card. So I urged him to buy this stuff because obviously we're going to be sleeping on the floor. It is beginning of October. Um, when you mm. go through the desert, um, I would I I expected to be okay during the day, but obviously during the desert you hear you hear this all the time. At oh, night yeah. it gets super yeah. cold. Yeah. So I needed him to prepare for that. I've been camping in the desert here in Australia a few times, and and you know it's hot during the day, like t-shirt weather. But then mm. at night, you can. I, I've woken up in the desert with a, with a thin layer of ice over the top of my sleeping bag, like it's yeah, it's freezing. So this is a so this there was, there was another another red flag where he refused to buy the sleeping mat and sleeping bag, um, because reasons. I guess maybe. You know, he he got he lost the money, so he didn't want to charge his overcharge his credit card or some something. But at the same time, I'm telling him, man, you just you just like this is not something that you're going to do every month. This is a one time in your life situation. Like you have to be prepared for it. You have to bring certain things to it. There are essential things, and this yeah. is something that really irritated me because for him bringing a tripod or bringing this huge massive lens 
This lens was so big. You know, you see those, when you see any like football games or cricket yeah. games and you see those photographers at the side of the pitch taking pictures, imagine this type of lens. It, it is it, it, unnecessary. The hunger is so big that whatever camera that you bring, you're going to fit all of it in there. Mm. Don't worry mm. about it. You know? <laughs> and so I was telling I was telling him, look, John, you sometimes in life you do need to cut some losses. In order to achieve something, yeah. you need to sacrifice something else. But it just seems like I was talking to the wall when I was saying that. What, what did you impre- impress upon him just how utterly freezing cold it was going to be every single night because like it, at the end of the day it's really just about your comfort like do you want to be on the on the verge of hypothermia every every time the sun goes down but julian i have to tell you this that i the 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 coldness and the weather this is something i underestimated okay so right. even though this was at the back of my head because I've never been to that situation before, I actually didn't realize how cold it's going to get. Yeah. I didn't know this. So while Greg stocked up on water, food, and just a few other extra items, John basically did the journey with whatever he'd brought in his carry-on luggage. And then they organized a taxi driver to drive them out of Kiev's Lauder, which is the closest city to the spaceport. And they got a cab miles out into the desert, just as it was almost dark. And then the driver let them out we got off and we started walking through that desert now as much as i am going to complain a little bit about john throughout this (laughs) because i feel like i have a reason for i have to give him credit for one thing and this is within maybe two hours we are on this dirt road it's really like uh, just just imagine a, 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 a jeep driving through a desert eventually you would make this like a, a, a yeah. bit of a road like very it was actually very uncomfortable uh walking on that road because it was very um sandy right um walking on that desert was much more comfortable i'm just thinking well comfortable in a way that you know your feet is not sliding when you're yes. walking you're not like burying your feet into the sand in, yeah. in that way comfortable yeah soft sand is very uncomfortable to walk on yeah and um at some stage i see a person with a dog in the distance obviously we are talking about miles away from me so there's this like a little creature and i f- feel it's all dark uh, dressed in dark and at that time I genuinely didn't think that this would be like a security person or like a military person with a dog I didn't think that I just I refused to think that this would be someone like this because I for me it was just ridiculous to think that there would be someone like in the desert Right. Like, why, why would be security in the desert? Sure, have a security on site, but with desert? It makes no sense to me. Even if, like, you were well aware of where you were. You know, you're trying to sneak into, a like, a top-secret mm. Russian military installation. That's a fairly good reason why there might be a security guard in the desert. Sure, yeah. And we already saw a sign 
when yeah. we were walking in, we already saw a sign that says like, this is a Russian territory or, or some sort of sign that says like, yeah. you're not supposed to be here. So the conversation with John started about that, that situation. I uh, wanted to carry on because I was like, this is just some guy with a dog. Yeah. Like, uh, let's just walk. Um, at least let's walk a little bit closer to see what, like, uh, like uh, what's going to happen. But he insisted that we should probably uh, deviate from the plan and move into the desert. Now, obviously, because I, I planned this for so long, I knew that w- if we now turn into the desert, we are not going to be going towards the silo. There is a, um, there is this one uh, missile silo destroyed, and that was supposed to be our first checkpoint. So now we went slightly towards the base. We got we had to go closer to the base because if we go to the right, we would just almost double our um, path. So I wasn't willing to do that. So we went. We made a risk to go closer to the base and kind of go around this silo, which unfortunately added a lot of miles to our um to our journey and a lot of hours to to it however um maybe maybe 15 20 minutes later there was a jeep driving through oh wow a jeep jeep and it was from behind us so it was from the from where we got on the desert it, okay. We saw a jeep driving there, and that jeep must have picked up that person, because we have not seen that person afterwards. We're going to take a quick ad break here, and we'll be right back with more what it was like. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I just want to reiterate here that this is still, to this day, very much an operational facility. Like, um, Russia continues to launch all of their crewed missions from this Cosmodrome. So the security guards, they take their jobs pretty seriously. And Greg actually told me that he'd heard of other Urbex people getting detained and interrogated for long periods of time. Um, apparently, also, everyone always gets their cameras confiscated along with all their photos, which means that if you're making Instagram content and you don't have any photos, that basically the whole journey becomes a complete waste of time. So Greg was really afraid of getting busted. He did, however, have one very positive thing to say about the hike. One thing I have to uh, tell you that I remember is that and if you've been to the desert at night, you probably will uh, also um, uh, remember that. Oh, the, the stars. Sky, yeah. The stars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I've never seen uh, a sky like this with so many stars. Yeah. Because when you live in a city, you forget. Oh, especially totally Beijing. F- oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you totally forget there's so many stars. So that was beautiful when we were just lying on that desert looking at at the yeah. stars. Because I think also if, the um I think uh, humidity is really low as well. So you so you're not mm-hmm. looking through miles of of like wet air. You you just mm-hmm. it's like yeah it's like you're just looking through the Hubble Space Telescope or something. It's you can see the galaxy yeah. and you know it's gorgeous. Yeah. So John would really really struggle uh, towards the end we would not talk anymore basically because was there any you know, conversation i mean were you guys like comparing well, heartbreak stories and like sort of talking about yeah yeah the future and- I, I just felt uh, towards the end i really wa- didn't want to have a conversation anymore because it seems like every story i heard i was having a feeling of like who is this person how is this going to end up like, <laughs> like what sort of stories it, did he have so so for example it, it it's it um it seemed to me that every person that he was romantically involved with, he has an active court case against that person. Oh, that's right a now. big red flag. Yeah. And and so I was thinking like he's suing everyone for something. So he was telling me how he was hiking in Grand Canyon and he was telling me some weird stories. He was telling me how he um, hired someone to put pictures on Instagram for him because he didn't know how to do it. And I was like, what? 
It was it was weird. Finally, after about 40 kilometers and lots of concerning stories from John, they arrived at their destination. And it was a massive hangar, an enormous structure in the middle of the desert. Okay, so you we are talking about a hangar that's enormous. Uh it's one of like it's one of the biggest structures I've ever seen in my life. Um it will take you a while a long time to walk around that place. It's pitch dark. So Yeah. At that time, you don't re- you're not really aware of where you are or how huge this place is. It's you just see a structure in front of you where you're walking around. Obviously, it is dark, but you can still like recognize certain things, um, like structural things of the building. So we're walking around it, and we're trying to find a way in. There was a way in, we got inside, and man, you, like, I had my, I didn't have a flashlight, that's so weird, I didn't have a flashlight, but obviously I didn't plan to do any exploration during night, and I definitely didn't want to risk uh, flashing my light at night, even though I sometimes did it with my phone flashlight, just to see the ground sometimes, because after I fell on the side of that spike, it it, it really scared me. It really scared me. And so I would, when I was walking through that desert, and then towards the hangar, because at some stage we had to cross like two barbed wire fences, and we found like a broken part of it, but you still have to like uh, go under it. Right. But I would flash a light from time to time just for one second, just to see the ground that I'm standing on, um, which I know it was a bit of a risk, but I felt like it was a risk I was willing to take at that time. But man, when I got inside and you go through like this corridor and you eventually go to this hall, to the main ha- the hangar, and you look at those shuttles and you, you all you have is this... <laughs> a small beam of light from your phone. Mm. It's this like mysterious dark thing that's in front of you. That's so enormous. Wow. I I know people, if if people ever heard me uh, before saying this, you they probably would say, oh my God, you always say this. But I, the pictures can never tell you how huge this, 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 those shuttles are until you're standing right next to them. They are impossibly big. I, you, I cannot describe how huge they were. That moment, I just, it was bizarre, this moment. Yeah. I, right now, has like my, my hair is standing on my, <laughs> on my hands because it's, it, I just remember that moment. It was crazy. But very quickly, I told myself, like stop it just go to the top of the floor you haven't done it you haven't achieved anything i literally was telling this my, to myself yeah you have not achieved anything you just got here um because i'm that kind of explorer i'm happy after i finish but yes. when i'm exploring i'm quite serious i'm 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 just always on alert right. my head is turning all the directions so um i still I still knew because you see when I was interviewing some of the Russian explorers they would tell me how the security would sometimes come into the hangar and they would um, climb like three four floors 
and then it would come down because obviously climbing, climbing all those store, uh, stores, uh, stairs all the all the way to the uh, to the to the top. Like, yeah, you know, you, you, most of the time the security uh, is just lazy. They don't want to yeah. do it. Security guards aren't paid enough to climb climb e- to the top. Exactly, exactly. So um, I felt like the the safest way is going to be go to go straight to the top, find yeah. some place to sleep, and this is what I did. Um, John told me, "You just go. Uh, I'll find you." Because obviously, for him, climbing that those stairs, it, it was just a that was another achievement. I mean, I remember climbing those stairs, almost dying. <laughs> climbing those stairs, it was so difficult. It was really difficult. Uh, with all this bag and after hiking for 14 hours, it's just like constantly, and it was oh, never yeah. ending. Yeah, It felt like you're climbing to, to the heavens. And um, so at the end, I put up the, um, the sleeping mat on the floor. It was a concrete, cold floor somewhere in some hole yeah. in some room and um i put every piece of clothing that i had on me uh shoes on everything hood on and crawl inside that sleeping uh sleeping bag that i had and i was still shivering from cold it was it was crazy oh. what woke me up is him coming to the room. I don't know how he found me. Yeah. Uh, but but he um he did. He woke me up and then I tried to fall asleep again. And then throughout the night, almost every half an hour I would wake up because I hear him weeping. So oh, man. he was trying to fall asleep but his body was like refusing him and he was like crying through his sleep because he was so cold. Greg, I mean, I got to point out, and it's probably pretty dangerous. Like uh, uh, man. if he didn't have a mat, if he didn't have a sleeping bag, I, I'd, I'd suggest that his body didn't want him to sleep because he probably wouldn't have woken up. And Julian, when we get to the end you would understand why things happened the way it happened. Because I'm going to uh, tell you this. Obviously, like, uh, there was two of us that went in, but it was only me who came out. But let me carry on oh, with shit. the story. <laughs> oh, yeah. <God. laughs> so, obviously, um, later on, when we I woke up in the, uh, in the morning, next day, I um, I remember when I was taking uh, like a, s- a selfie video of myself, uh, just saying my reaction to 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 what I was seeing because I saw the shadows underneath me. Um, right, you went you went and looked out like there's a there's yeah. Almost like I a, went look yeah yeah I went from top like of the balcony floor, went on this like a balcony yeah and you look down on those shadows and the first thing that I the first impression that I had it was like wait a second there's a light on there's electricity there well like what the hell what I didn't realize there was a hole in the ceiling and there was a beam of light reflecting something that felt like a little light was on on the uh, ground 
Okay, yeah. But I only realized that later. So I was a little bit scared at the beginning. I was pretty much super like anxious all the time when I was there. Yeah. Because you've been hunger, running on adrenaline. Oh, There's sure, for sure. So much adrenaline surging through your body. But I, I, when I look back at the video that I made, the way I looked, you know, like when you see the picture of me walking into that desert and what I, how I looked when I, on that after that first day, I looked like I went through hell. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I looked like I aged at least a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was that moment. It was the best moment of my life. I uh, that wow. was just purely amazing the sense of achievement that i felt of being there to but this this was surreal surreal moment because it's it, obviously you see these things you you know people went there but now you are there you are in the yeah. place when they are making space shuttles and guess what you are looking at two of them right now yeah and it's just absolutely surreal that moment it it feels to me it feels to me a bit sad though at the same time like when, when I've mm. seen I've seen the photos of these space shuttles and you know they're covered in in bird shit they're uh, they're yeah. in pretty bad condition like the the like the windows are all punched out um, and I think about just the sh the vast amounts of money that this government mm. that this crazy government poured into this program at a time when. It's not like the Soviet Union was flush with cash at that time. Like the, the, the whole thing fell apart because they didn't have any money. It was one of the main reasons. Um, and it just seems to me like such a frivolous waste of, of just much-needed mm. resources. Um, and, and just sort of, I don't know, maybe illustrative of, of just the insanity of, <laughs> of much of the Soviet Union. I don't know. Like oh, yeah. it feels sad. Oh, yeah. But isn't that just like so Soviet? Like- um, you know, in Chernobyl, there is uh, there are two sides. Obviously, there's a Chernobyl power plant, but there's yeah. also the the secret radar, the the woodpecker, the Duga radar. But that that radar that ultimately failed, they failed to accomplish their mission. That the 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 money they spent on that was like three times what they spent on Chernobyl power plant. Is that right? So, yeah, so wow. it's it's uh, it, it, that's crazy the amount of waste uh, that sometimes some some of those projects uh, just it boggles my mind. But at the same time, I feel like with the space shuttles, it just feels so special and feels so yeah. different because it's not. It's it's like we have two countries in the world at that time that were involved in the space program. So it's also very unique thing. Yeah. And and these things are designed to carry human beings into space. It's not about exactly, it's not about taking yeah. a payload into space or it's not about putting mm. some some piece of communications infrastructure up in orbit. It's about exploring the universe, you know, like expanding yeah. our horizons. It's this sort of speaks to this bigger thing about about meaning mm. and purpose on earth. It's yeah, it's yeah. big. They definitely did. Uh, they did plan to have obviously the astronauts in there in those space shuttles because I was, <laughs> I sat down at the chair or the yeah. astronaut chair inside the space shuttle. Wow! So this is like one of the best moments of my life. This is like a you know like a literal childhood dream 
come through uh, that moment. And it's like, I could not ever in the wildest dreams imagine that I would be sitting inside the space shuttle. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's yeah. nice. Like 11 year old you was was just rejoicing. <laughs> yeah. What, what um can you tell me about some of the, like the design quirks of these things. Like what did you observe about their construction, about their about their engineering sort of style? So I well what I did is I end up climbing on top of the prototype one. You see the thing is that's one of my little regrets that I had is I uh, didn't go to the one that was like 97% completed um, because the only way I could think of of going inside that one would be to jump from the like a structure that was in front of it on top of the like cockpit. That was my that what I felt like that was the only way of doing it because there was no other way of climbing it. I didn't have any ropes. There was no like, there was no ladders. I mean, there were some ladders, but they were huge and metal. And so there was, it was physically impossible to, to, uh, uh, to lift them. And on top of that, you have to understand, I, we are trying to be super quiet. Yeah. This whole place there's, I was constantly on the alert because the windows are broken inwards, which suggests that there is a, the winds, all this harsh environment of the desert, uh, winds blowing all this for years would destroy this building from the outside. So the glass is inside the uh, uh, the building. The birds would be trapped inside, they'd be flying, they wouldn't be able to leave. So there was so much noise going on in, inside, this, um, inside this hangar. And I was constantly trying to be very quiet and not make noise because um you know if someone comes in the first thing they would do is they would just listen if someone was there because you would know you would really know and I, we would obviously we had a whole day to explore so everyone was tiptoeing and and being very very quiet so for me to stand on that structure and jump on it i just felt like i'm gonna create so much noise and on and then on the other hand, we have this prototype that there was a. It was like a, a, a metal stairs. Imagine like a stairs for the plane, like the uh, plane stairs. So it was something like that. Obviously, smaller metal. It was very close to the prototype. I managed to climb on the top of the shuttle and then go through the window someone smashed the window there was a small really small window probably the size of the chair that you're sitting on right that the, the rectangle that your bum is currently sitting on <laughs> and but someone sm the, the glass on that window was super thick so i had no idea how those people did that and they definitely <laughs> or, did not care why? about the noise or why why? Why would you imagine trekking forty kilometers in into the desert yeah. to a military installation, yeah. and then vandalizing the place? Who does yeah, that? But 
Yeah, but that's the thing, you know, Julian, that's the thing, like, this is exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking to people about respecting the places, don't take stuff from it, don't steal, don't damage the property. If you cannot find the access, then walk, like, there's another one, right? So I try to promote those good values, but people sometimes feel like they want to have a souvenir or, or something. And in a way... It's really hard to to judge this one and at the same time, look, I might be saying, oh, those scumbags broke the glass, right? And, but what is the reason I went inside the space shuttle? What, the, the, the reason I had the experience of sitting in the astronaut seat is because some other person smashed that window. Okay, so that's true. <laughs> Silver it's lining. It's like, right? So it's like um, I am, would be a bit of a, yeah, how do you judge? How do you judge that? Greg and John spent the whole day tiptoeing around the hangar, taking photos and generally trying to kill time before it got dark again. Because they weren't actually done yet. About a kilometre away was a second hangar which contained a rocket. As in the first hangar, that had the spaceships, but the second hangar had the delivery system, the rocket, which was designed to carry the shuttle up into space. And Greg wanted to see the rocket, but he knew that they couldn't leave until it was dark. We waited probably until midnight. I did some sleeping. Uh, I tried to do that. And then we crossing. We got into the uh, next uh, building. Now, the rocket building... And there's actually two buildings. So there's a there's a very like a tall vertical rocket building, but there's another building adjacent to it. They are connected. So when we got through the window, again through the window to that um, place, this is where uh, it was really tricky to find the rocket. Uh, there was we would go to um, many many different places, corridors, rooms, and there was just a dead end everywhere. And at some point, I was thinking uh, that this is impossible. It's, uh, you know, you know I, tr I tried, but it's impossible. And then I saw there was a tunnel in the ground. Like it was like, a, it was like a, the, the floor uh, was missing. A part of the floor was missing. And when you jump into that tunnel, there was those like metal spikes on each side of the wall. And I shine my light uh, on this uh, on this tunnel, and I was like, surely this cannot be it. Like, no way, this is a bit. But then at the same time, like you obviously like you have to try everything. So I uh, I left my bag. I t told John to wait, and I crawl through that, and very quickly afterwards. Uh, you just cross it and then and you enter the, the hole with the rocket. And so I just quickly came back. I was like, yeah, I got past, past, the, past, the, um, past the bag. And then we went through that. Yeah, so we had to crawl through that uh, tunnel. And then we got to this hangar. Oh my God. <laughs> the rocket, we're talking about like, a, this is like a building. This is like a skyscraper, the size of yeah, that thing. yeah. It's um, it's enormous, but this time around, I had no willingness to climb to the top floor. I just couldn't. So I think we climbed to the third floor and found a little uh, 
space behind, sorry, under the stairs. There was like a, a bit of a space there. And we just, I just uh, put my um, mat and, and my sleeping bag there and I, I and tried to w go to sleep. This is where John asked me if he can take my sleeping bag, sleeping mat. Uh, yeah, this was, this was always going to come up, I think, because you're the schmuck who's, who's uh, highly organized and you planned this out and you're sleeping in relative luxury every night and he's sleeping on hard <laughs> ground. So, of course, of course, invariably at some point he's going to be like, oh, oh buddy, can I, can I have a turn of your mattress? <laughs> so, there were a few moments... Uh, that John put me in a, like impossible situations, and I really, I, I was really thinking like, why, why are you doing this to me? This was really difficult situation because, obviously, like I, I feel for the guy. Like I, 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 I feel, like I'm, I'm not a psychopath. Like I know that he's suffering. I feel, I feel for the guy. I mean, that's me. I'm, I'm often John in life, and I, and I really feel for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds like you're. It sounds like you're never John. It sounds like you're really good at thinking ahead, and you know, like. But sometimes you just find yourself being John. You know, I um, I, I am this kind of person that I would organize things. I would always like. I remember living in London. Whenever I go out, I would always know like what's the what's the time of the last metro. Like I would have that information before I go. I don't know. It's just like the person I am. I would maybe sometimes. Um, be like too much uh, when it comes to that but I just you know like at, but at the same time like Julian like this is not something I'm gonna do every year right like this is something I potentially will never ever do again even though I would love to return uh, I, I I planned this for so long and on top of that like you know you don't want to say like I told you so but at the same time, like I, I did tell you, like I did tell I, you. I suspect that you did tell him. I told you so. I, I suspect mean, it you came did. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it came out. Like it came out because because you know all of a sudden I have to find excuse. Yeah. To tell him no, like I so have you said to no. tell him. So he I he said, asked and you said no. Yeah, and it's it's like it's it's really. I, I really don't know how to feel about this because at some at at one point I feel like it was that a shitty thing to do, but at the other time at the other thing I think to myself like, look, one, okay, we went here together, but it's not like this is like a person that I he's my friend that I know that we had some history that uh, like I care about. Of course I care about, but it's not the same level, right? And also it's like, we are two strangers in that situation and both of us should prepare for this. And why do I get, why should I be punished? Because I prepared and he didn't. And also, yeah, that's fair enough. You know, I, I think it's fair enough. I mean, like you mm. in a in a parallel universe, you might as you might have left as friends. You might have walked out of that desert as best buddies. But um, you know, it, it was it, mm. like it's pretty annoying that he he found himself in this situation or he put himself in this situation because he was too much of a tight ass to buy a new mattress and a new sleeping bag. That's yeah. annoying. But you see, you know, like when you make friends, I. Like it's pretty straightforward how people, some people connect, 
But there are some people that, for whatever reason, like you, you're just not gonna be friends. You're not, you're, it's not gonna work out. I had that feeling from like few hours into that desert. I knew it. I knew it's not gonna work out. The next day they woke up and John had somehow survived another freezing cold night without a sleeping bag. And they got to work photographing the rocket. And if you go to Greg's Instagram, you'll see these photos. And uh, yeah, it just looks like an enormous, very classic rocket with a nose cone at the top and maybe some tail fins down the bottom. Um, Like it's obviously amazing. But Greg couldn't help but notice that John had started limping. Somehow through all this process, John had injured his knee, which was a problem. Of course, it was a problem for, for John, but you know it was really a problem for both of them because they had a huge distance to hike to get back. But John refused to admit that he was in pain. So the two of them waited until it was dark and then they set off again into the night. And we waiting and waiting and waiting basically for the darkness. And I think after eight after eight or nine, we decided to go. And yeah, this is where things start to get a bit tricky because when we reached the hunger, the one we were previous day, he wanted to have a break. I'm like, dude, we, we are still on site. Like, let's have a first break when we leave the site, when we cross the barbed wire fence and we, we are in the desert. And this is where I um, noticed how slow he was walking and, and I just genuinely didn't know how this is going to work out. One other thing I have to mention is in that rocket hangar, I found... Uh, a thermal br- blanket. Uh, they were like a, sil- they look like silver type of things, you know. I know um, the ones, yeah. Yeah, and so I would, um, it was either one and I ripped it or it was two. I think there was two of them. I wrapped them around my arms and then I put the ju- my, my, my hoodie o- over them. Yeah. And the reason for it is because I felt this will keep me warm. Yeah. And so the reason I mentioned this is because when I'm walking, when I'm walking then through the desert on my way back, I'm making this sound. That's all I'm hearing because of those, of those things. At the same time, I would turn around and John would stop, but he wouldn't tell me. He would just stop and not, and I, so then I, 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 I go back a little bit to him sitting on the ground and I tell him, man, you have to tell me that you want to take a break and then we will take a break because, you know, it's getting dark. It was still, uh, we were in the desert. It was still, uh, it was dark, but it wasn't like I couldn't see him. Right. So I just, um, I would frequently just turn around just to see where he was. I was a little bit ahead of him. And he would stop and stop and stop. And the, the amount of time he was stopping, it, the frequency started to increase and the distance were getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. And eventually it was like every 600 meters oh, he was man. stopping. He's getting tired. And, and like the, he's walking getting, on that knee must be really painful. Yeah. But the thing is, one big thing that I was scared of, and this is when I'm, I'm going to take a round take you around to what you said about sleeping in the desert, how cold it gets. 
originally when I was going in, we started at noon during the day. So even though it was cold, it was not that cold. But now we are starting at night. And man, it was so cold. It was super cold. Oh yeah. And when and when I'm walking, that's where I'm generating heat. And I am keeping myself warm by walking. So I wasn't like very keen of having of stopping. And also, you know, I'm tired. I like I didn't want to like sit down or fall asleep in that desert during night because I was I was just afraid I'm gonna freeze to death there. Like I genuinely was so cold. And on top of that, when you walk, you generate that heat, but you also generate a little bit of a sweat. And then when you stop, the cold weather and the sweat, it just it it's it you're going you're gonna be ill. You, you, you this dangerous. This is really dangerous. So um I just kept telling him, man, we like we have to go, we have to go. And I just had a feeling, I mean, in retros- retrospect later on, I'm saying that I had a feeling that he he had this he had a plan for himself. And that plan didn't uh, didn't include me. Um he started telling me that I should leave him. And this was another moment where I was like, dude, are you are you are you for real? We, that was the last thing I wanted. We went here. I told him like, we, 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 we gone here. Um, we went in together. We're going to come back together. Like no way. Even though I knew like, uh, you know, we, we, I'm not going to be his friend, whatever. We're not going to be chatting every day, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to leave the guy behind. And now it starts to get darker and darker and it gets to the point where when he stops it now i don't like i really it, it was a couple of times where i had to really go back and try to find him because i couldn't see him that's concerning that, so so he'd stopped mm, got left behind and then now you couldn't see him yeah and on top of that look I'm like we are is the base is still on our right. The floodlights from the gate from the base. They, they carry the light carries in the desert. So I, 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 it's, it, what I mean is like it still feels like you're so close. So because it's funny, like when you when we walk in, at some point we saw the hangar, this really tall hangar, this rocket hangar. So we were like so happy that it's there. But it was still like, we were still walking for like seven hours before we reached there. So it, it feels like it's there, but the distance is so misleading. So all of a sudden, I'm in this desert, it's dark. I cannot just shout and say, John, John, where are you? Because like, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to attract attention to myself. I, I've just achieved this thing. I want to get home. I want to, you know, <laughs> edit those pictures, have those pictures, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and then Julian, like at some stage, unfortunately, I turned around and he wasn't there. And I couldn't find him. Wait, he wasn't there? He, just, he disappeared? I couldn't find him. So what happened? And, and it was crazy I, because I, I, I just, I was so angry. 
I was so angry because I was like, what is this guy doing? How can this guy do this to me? And I was also afraid a little bit because I was afraid first that something's going to happen to him. Yeah. And then also yeah. I was afraid. I mean, like, he might have just fallen down one of those like pits with the spikes in it that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I I just, I really, and... Oh my God, like we, I found so many like trenches. There were like uh, rail tracks on one point, but if, if the rail tracks to get to them, there was like a trench um, on one on each side of it. And then like fell into it. And then I had to climb out and, and it's all darkness. So Damn. you don't know what you're falling on. So this desert, just so, just so I understand, this desert's just full of the wreckage of like multiple decades of, of like failed, sh- I don't know, spaceship shit. launches yeah. and yeah, just military yeah. shit. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. There's so many different types of de- debris there. And yeah, so at, at one point I am walking, shh, 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 hearing this sound. I turn around and just he wasn't there. And I spent about five minutes trying to find him. It was going back, but at the same time, like, what direction do I go, you know? I just knew that I couldn't go to, like, towards the base, but the other direction, like, where, where do I go? I, I, and, I, and, I, and I walked, and I tried to find him, and I just couldn't find him. And at that time, I had no choice. I just, I had no choice. Like, what do I do? I just, uh, I need to go. I need to go back. Had you pretty much accepted, I mean, like, if, if it was me in that situation... I'd probably just assume he was dead. I'd be like, well, you know what? <laughs> like, he, I'm not going to find him. And he's definitely going to die of hypothermia out in this desert by himself. So I guess if it was me, I'd have had to have just come to terms with the fact that I was walking out on a dead man. But it's, I was so angry because you see, the thing is, I talked to him about this particular situation maybe three or four times. And I actually once took my phone out and I secretly recorded this conversation because I was, I was, I was actually afraid that this is going to happen because no I way. almost kind of, really? I, so I kind of this... almost saw this happening because you know, like the, I, I walk, I turn around and he is, he's not moving. He's resting and he doesn't tell me, but this happened right. like seven times, Julian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, so, eight times. So, you so I, I was thinking to myself, policy. like, yeah. And also, this guy sues everyone. Oh, yeah, that he right, knows. right. That, He's real litigious. So <laughs> I'm having, I, I, I am, a, I am, a, like, I always overthink. I, I, yeah, always, yeah. Everyone, tell, everyone tells me this. I always have so many different things going on in my head. So, but all this is happening in my head. So, I, I just, like, Dude, like, it, it was really frustrating and it, it made me super angry. But guess what? 14 hours it took to walk to the shuttles. Eight hours it took to, for me to go back. Really? Because so after was, you got rid of him, you were just much faster. <laughs> yeah, because I was, I was now just by myself and I was just walking because there was no one, because I didn't do any breaks. I didn't stop. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. actually, um, because like one, I didn't, I didn't know what happened to him. I didn't know if he got caught. I didn't know what's gonna, like I, I just I n- didn't know. All I knew that I just needed to get out of this bloody desert, 
yeah. and get to my hotel. Now, this is the only time in my life where I've had, I feel like, because this is the only way I can describe this, that I had hallucinations. Um, what do you mean? Ju- so there were, there were few moments in the desert. I would say there were three moments in that desert on my way back that was, um, for me, super scary. First was I heard those wild dogs or coyotes or wolves in the background, in, in somewhere there in the distance. I heard them like barking, wooing, whatever. I just, whatever they do, I heard them. So that was, um, that was really um, tricky because like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know if they would attack you or like, I, I don't know how they react. So if I was walking there and they were close to me, like, would they see me as like a potential supper? I, I don't know. So uh, that was really scary. And I was trying to move fast because I heard them. Second thing was, I ultimately got to one of those dirt roads that I planned to go originally. Um, And I had two phones with me. I put one of my phones um, on my my tummy and I put a strap from the bag. So the phone was like inside it. And because now I was... uh, I was super fast. I was walking really fast. I felt like it. I would, this phone would serve me as my light. It was basically my really shitty phone with like a really uh, a tiny beam that was um, that was shining kind of like towards my legs so I could at least see where I'm going. Because again, like, you know, like I told you before, it's dangerous there. I didn't want to get hurt. At some point, I hear a bit of a noise behind me. I turn around and I see two lights, two lights, car, like a, from a car. There is a car behind me in the distance. Like how far? And I'm like, talking like kilometers? It's, it's far. It's, it's okay. far. It's definitely far. But you know, the lights, you would see the lights because two beams, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then I put my hand, cover the light, put my hand on my stomach, cover the light, and just threw myself, threw myself to a ditch on the side <laughs> of the road. Wow. And I'm in like these bushes. There's like a bit of a bush there. And I'm, I'm, I'm there lying there praying that they won't see me. The, and the car, the Jeep just drove by me. Wow. And, You're lucky. and that, was, that was anything. I will return to this because I feel like I know who those people were and what happened. But I will return to that. And the third thing that was, um, this is where I come into the hallucination. I, at some stage, when I saw this um, cafe building in the distance, I knew, because that was the only building in the horizon. So I knew if I saw a building, I knew that I'm getting towards the highway. This is where I hiked from originally. So I saw this building. When I saw this building, I was like so happy. And I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm getting closer to the, to the end. And I feel like maybe, maybe a kilometer from that highway, uh, this is going to sound really strange, but there was 
I saw a beam of light above me, like a UFO, and I was convinced it was chasing me. Wow. And at that time, at that time, I had so many blisters on my on my feet. Yeah, yeah. It, it hurt so much because I was I was too crazy. I was walking way too fast. I I just really really wanted to get out of that situation because there was so many things that happened. Not yeah. just the fact of achieving this thing of getting there, but also with this guy. So I just really needed to be oh I needed this to be over. So I was I was just I was just just legging it. And at that time when I saw that beam of light, I turned around, I see this beam, I was like like I I I panicked. I was like what is happening here? And I started running with this bag. I I run Obviously, if you see me, it's probably you wouldn't call this run. It was just like me trying, kind yeah. of going faster than 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 a walk. But it was crazy. That last kilometer, I felt like I I, I left my soul yeah. in that desert. And then it was about. It must have been somewhere like four a.m., three a.m. in the morning. I crossed that uh, highway. And there's a bunch of trucks parked. So, like I said, this um, this cafe, I felt I I was told it was it would be open twenty four hours, but it wasn't. I'm banging on the door, no one's opens, and it's so cold. So I see cars parks and park uh, the car parks in front of it, and I literally would go to the cars. The I felt the heat radiating from the car from the inside the guy opened the window and the wave the heat wave that hit me it was so comforting it was like it was i felt it was just oh my god it's so beautiful <laughs> it just felt so nice you must First have been time, so cold he, oh and i'm trying to communicate with the person using like the you know, finally have a signal so I can use the Google Translate. And I realized the person uh, that was helping me, I had like English to Russian because I was in the impression they speak Russian there in Kazakhstan. But this person, like he changed it to Uzbeki. So this was a, a guy from Uzbekistan who was probably like driving home. And he, um, I tried to tell him like, I actually asked him if I can stay in his car, but he he didn't let me. And then I was I just told him some story how I got lost, basically. And um, but then nothing happened. I went uh, and just I was sitting on the stairs in front of this cafe, praying the time would go faster and it would be like seven or whatever the time they open. Um, but at some some stage, I think like half an hour later, this guy came out of his car and he went to like the side gate of this cafe and started banging on that gate. And the owner came out. And when the owner came out, I just went to the guy and explained that I was lost, blah, blah, blah. And can he give me, can he please give me a, a, like just one room? I can sleep on the floor, whatever. I just like I, so in, somewhere indoors that I can just sleep, and I wake up at at whatever time, like eight a.m., seven a.m., and I'll just leave, and you know you won't see me again. And this guy gave me this room. He it was just so basic. It was this like wooden bed there, 
And it was the first time in three days I took my shoes off. It felt amazing. And I went on this bed. The bed was so soft. And I had this blanket, this like old-fashioned blanket, and just fell asleep instantly. I was out. Now, I've seen photos of Greg's accommodation that night, and I got to say, it it wasn't luxurious. But uh, he says he slept like the dead, and, and then he woke up to experience the full gravity of John's disappearance. He says he tried calling John and the phone would ring out. So he just did what anyone would do with 100,000 followers, and he posted a message on Instagram with John's phone number and asked if anyone had heard from him. You know what happened? <laughs> what happened? My ex-girlfriend contacted me. <laughs> okay. My ex-girlfriend, the one uh, I broke up with just before this trip, and she told me that um, she contacted him and she, uh, he said to her that he was he got caught. I believe that he was in that Jeep. In the uh, middle no of way. The, Yes, that's what I believe. No in. way. Okay, that, so that hold on. He wait. Was, so he, he deliberately got caught? Like that was his yes, plan. That was his exit strategy. That was strategy. his plan. Okay. Yeah, there was, he, because he could not walk back anymore. So his only way to get caught, to, to, to leave this desert alive, was to get caught. And I have absolutely no idea how this happened, like how he got caught. But if he started screaming, flashing light. I, I have no idea because I have never spoken to him since. Why not? I, you haven't been tempted to just hit him up and be like, hey, John, remember that, that thing that we did? I did. I did. Yeah, I did. And he didn't write back. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really it. There was one um, moment, like extra moment that I, it, it's, it's really sad because obviously um, when we were planning this, we were flying to Kazakhstan. I already had tickets. He had to buy the tickets, right? So we were not flying, obviously, at the same time. But we were planning to leave at the same time, especially when we bought the, the, the flight tickets from Almaty to, to, to Kiziloda. We bought yep. the return tickets. So we were flying to that city together and we were supposed to fly back on the same flight. And yeah, he saw me at the airport. I know. And you but, guys didn't. But I was just. You didn't wave nothing. I was just like, I was just a stranger to him. I was just a stranger. Yeah. That was really sad. Um, but I was happy that he was alive. I was happy that he was able to leave. So John didn't die, which is great news, obviously. And although he was atrociously ill-prepared and, um, you know, pretty average company a lot of the time, Greg says that he's actually really glad that he didn't try to do this journey alone. I mean, at least there was someone to talk to. Um, and I probably would be really freaking out. And also that very first moment when we got off that dirt road into the desert, yeah. If I was there by myself, I was, I'm wondering if I would do that or not, or if I would carry on walking on that desert. And then 40 minutes later, there was that Jeep. Yeah, that's right. You'd have been busted. You needed him. I would have been busted right away. Yeah. So, so, so it feels, in that way, I'm, I feel grateful that um, I did this with him. And it, it feels to me like uh, the top line story here is that it's about your adventure into Kazakhstan to, to visit these abandoned space shuttles. 
Mm. But really, it's also a story about a about a friendship that wasn't. <laughs> it's about how you you went in with this guy and you guys mm. there was a bit of friction the whole way through, and then you're left alone. I mean, that's that's really the subtext here. What? Yeah, it's sad. Wh- when you look back at the whole thing, what's what's your sort of you know what do you think you learned? Oh, um, when you when you try to do because when we go exploring certain places we call missions right so when you do a mission and i already have a new one that there's a spot that i would like to do but if i am going to do this place i will do this with someone who is an urban explorer who's been around who i know more than five days basically that's the biggest lesson I've learned from this, that certain things you just need to be a little bit more careful um, and plan more carefully than that. Yeah. I think it would be the same lesson if you decided you wanted to do Everest or K2 or if you wanted to do the, the Appalachian Trail or any sort of long, arduous hike. You'd probably mm. want to veto your, your friend a bit. Oh, sure. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I don't think I would do those things. <laughs> I, don't I mean, they're, they're I different. Would, you no, know, I oh no, the, I know, I know. The through line, the through line is hiking. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. You see, the the hike. I'm not like a massive hiker, but yeah, I, I recently did a hike to the abandoned um, part of Great Wall, um, through the mountains. Hike through the mountains. That was wow. Yeah, that was hard. But uh, the end result is what you what you go for, you know. That's the yeah, thing that people right. see on Instagram. They see they see that last five minutes of this whole day, and it's funny how people always ask me like, "Oh, I would love to go with you," and like, "Really? Like, are you sure?" Because I don't think you would really want to go through what I go through to get that last picture, because it's not glamorous. It's definitely not. Yeah, totally. Mm. Greg, we're going to have to wrap it up in a moment. Uh, yep. I guess um, really one last question, uh, and mm. that is I know that you've got a book. Tell us about your book. Oh, nice. Yes, uh, so I uh, am a busy man, obviously. I've been to so many places, and because of COVID, obviously, I my travel was restric- restricted just to China. Um, I found myself uh, just exploring all over this country almost every single province um, in here. And and yeah, and I decided, you know what, um, how about I do a book called Abandoned China? And yeah, so that's where I decided to, uh, to compile the stories of those places. So I divided the book into three parts. And um, first part that's out now, uh, the book one is about the rocket, the abandoned uh, space rocket here that I found in China. Very lucky. And uh, power plants, factories, planes, trains, ships, uh, wow. bicycle graveyard, and car graveyards. That's going to be the first one. So it's uh, heavy industry. Yeah. Wheels. Okay. A lot of wheels. A lot of wheels. That's, yeah. yeah, right. Right. Mm. That's, that's really the through line. What's, um, where can mm. people find this book? I think the easiest way would be to go on uh, gregabanda.com and just follow the links for the Abandoned China book and then people can get it there. 
Yeah, uh, cool, I think that would be cool. also easy. Yeah. And of course, people can follow you at Greg Abandoned on Instagram. Yeah, if you want, <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. As an avid follower, I'd recommend it. I've been, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed oh, following you for a while, and I've enjoyed our conversation here today. Oh, so, Greg, thank you. Likewise, yeah. Thanks so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you for inviting me, and yeah, you've been very kind to me. So, um, thank you so much. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you're thinking you've got a story that could work for what it was like, then please hit me up. I love to hear from people. Uh, I am Morgan's Julian on Twitter and at Julian Morgan's on Instagram. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Tuffery. It was edited and mixed by Jimmy Saunders, who also did our theme music. Our cover art is by Naomi Lee Beveridge. And this whole thing has been a super real production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.